I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Woo! Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, you're not kidding me, God. Thank you for that. I can go home right now. That's unbelievable. How many of you have played an instrument in your life or even play one now? How many? Let me see your hands. Awesome. Let me ask you something. How many notes are in a scale? Anyone know? Just yell it out. You guys don't know. You failed miserably. There's 12 notes. So you have 12 notes. Even back to think about that. A dozen notes. That's all, that, that's all way you has is a dozen notes. And isn't that incredible how these 12 notes in the hands of an amazing composer and a person that can dream and see something and write it down in the hands and the mind and the heart of an artist that actually can look at those notes and interpret them and they've been dedicated and they've practiced in an instrument that's made out of wood and steel and pieces of plastic and other materials. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you felt this, but I feel this every time I hear way you play. I'm transported to another place. I mean, I had a whole movie. I mean, I was running down the road. I mean, I had a whole thing going in my mind. It was like, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was rowing that boat. I don't know. All I know, I was winning. And I was transported to another place. Man, I was completely transported to another place. It was like this swirling dance that was happening around where you. It's happened every time I've heard them play. And I think when we experience that and why we wanted you to experience that, because when you feel that, in all kinds of different ways in your life, and you've all felt it in different ways. It doesn't have to be music. It's pointing to a greater unity. It's pointing to an origin of real unity, the great unity. It's actually pointing to God. Think about God. Father, Son, Spirit in perfect unity. In fact, Theologians for centuries have been trying to figure out what do we actually call that relationship, that perfect relationship. The closest word that could come is perichoesis. It's a Greek word that means a circular divine dance between Father, Son, and Spirit. All in perfect unity. They're not stepping on each other's toes like Amy and I when we dance. They're not stepping on their toes. They're deferring to one another. It's perfect Reciprocity is perfect unity, it's perfection in motion, it's pointing to the real unity. I really believe that. When we experience something like that, it's pointing to the real divine dance. And this image and this truth is important for a community that is following Jesus. Here's why. If we really believe what scripture says, it means that every single person is made in the image of God. That's what it says. That every single person is made in the image of God. What does that mean? That means that we are made from unity for unity. That in you and in Christ, we have perfect unity or at least access through it, through him. That we are made in the image of Father, Son, and Spirit. This divine, perfect dance from unity for unity. Now here's the problem. The problem is we live in a world that's not unified. We live in a world that is divided. We live in a world that really has a lot of disunity. We live in a world that has, look, in this room right now, there's things in your life for most of us in this room and watching on stream in South Korea, 
In Nepal, here, doesn't matter. As a human experience, we have things in us that we're wrestling with. There are things happening to us, illnesses, diagnoses, things we're dragging with us, relationship issues that there is causing disunity in our lives. Yes? Please, you all walked in with that. We all have that. If you don't have it, now it's coming. That's what always Steve said. I felt, oh, you're so, such a positive teacher. You're either going in a storm or coming out of a storm, but you're going to be in a storm. That's what he always says. I'm like, thanks. I feel really good about myself, Steve. But that's the reality. We live in a world that causes disunity. But we're made for unity. So last week, I was staying a couple nights at a family cottage or our family cottage and uh, my brother-in-law was there and I went to bed a second night, it's about 11.30 and I just conked out. It's that beautiful thing where the, you know, the, the screens are open and you fall asleep, beautiful, whether or not, mind you, I'm a big guy. So this, this room's maybe three my size. You know, it's a small room. So I'm laying on the bed and I wake up at two in the morning and what I hear is scratching on the screen behind my head. And so I, I open my eyes and I look behind me and there's nothing there. There's a little bit of moonlight. The room is really dark. Can't see much. So that must have just been me. I start to close my eyes and then I hear more and more in this tiny little room. So I said, something's in my room. So I reach down for my phone. I turn on my light and there's a bat flying around in my room. Now, listen, you're going to be so proud of me because here's what I did. I sat up. With my phone, of course, it's dive by me on my phone. It was dive by me on my head. I don't have to worry. I don't have hair, so it's not going to get tangled. And so I'm looking at it. It comes by me. I grab it with my hand. I open up the screen, and I throw it out. Come on. Actually, what I really did was I screamed as loud as I could. I ran out the door. I ran out the door, I closed this little bifold door, and I sit on the couch, and I'm not wearing much. You don't need to know that, but I'm sitting on the couch. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because it's 2.30 in the morning. I've got to leave at 5.30 to get here for work. And I was like, I'll just sleep on it and take care of it in the morning. So I started to sleep on it. And I'm not kidding you, this really happened. This bat was going crazy. And it headbutted the door, caught out, and started to attack me. That's true. And so I had a blanket and I found this little net and I started battling the bat. And eventually, and this is great because I got it cornered. He started to fly one swoop of the net. I nailed this thing. I did catch it that way. You guys don't even care at this point. And so I have it. And then what did I do? Well, of course, you know what I did because I work for Kensington Church and I'm part of Steve Andrews' legacy. And I just got that thing stuffed and put it in my office. No, I didn't do that. So I went outside and I let this bat free. Here's what I need you to know. Sometimes disunity flies in your life, somewhat temporary, flies out. Sometimes disunity is more permanent than that. A couple months ago, there's a story in a city not far from here. Two young men, they go out and they're having a good night and they're having fun and dancing, sharing a few drinks and they leave the club and they want to get something to eat. So they go to this pizza place. Standing in line, the first friend gets pizza. He goes and sits down. The second friend's waiting for his pizza, talking to some people. And all of a sudden, a disruption breaks out that turns into a fight and an older gentleman, big guy, ends up hauling off and hitting a young girl, knocking her across the restaurant. The community comes around the young girl, but the second friend waiting for his pizza sees that there's nothing be between the assailant and this young girl. So he steps in, trying to bring unity to disunity. 
His hands are down. He's trying to talk this person down. But what he doesn't realize is that the person has another friend that's in his blind spot. And that friend comes full on, four punches to the temple, knocks him out. Then he stomps him with his foot and goes for next stomp. But hopefully the the second friend came in and, and held back. The cops come. They arrest these guys. The ambulance comes. They take away this young man that was knocked out. And that's where my phone rang at four in the morning. It's my wife. She says to me, Danny, one of our kids has been assaulted and he's in the hospital. You need to come. She was at a family's house that night. So of course, I don't know if you've gotten these calls in the morning before, but we've gotten about how many? I mean, six in the last two years? I don't know, something about the nighttime. So all this happens, we get in the car, we meet at the hospital, we go through all of these things and we hear about this. Now, sometimes... Disunity enters your life. Sometimes this divided world enters in, in a deeper way. Sometimes it, this conflicted life actually affects you a lot closer. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. The last two months have been a battle in my own heart and mind and soul. Because I have two things happening. A Jekyll and Hyde. One part is, look, I'm 6'4", almost 300 pounds. I've got a little bit of boxing experience. And what I'd really like to be able to do is just take a couple good shots at this person. Just give me five minutes. Because, look, I'm going to tell you something. Once you get this bus moving, it doesn't stop. (laughs) And it's dangerous. And so I'm I'm a pretty gentle guy. But if I lose it, it's going to be dangerous. And I want that. In my human spirit, I want that. I want revenge. You know what's fascinating? There's a bigger part of me. There's a bigger part of me that's whispering different words to my mind. You know what the bigger part is saying to me? Your fight is not against flesh and blood. Your fight is against the principalities of darkness in this world. I am calling you to love your enemy, even the ones that persecute you. I see Jesus on the cross giving up his life for even the person that is putting him to death. And say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. I know that Jesus knew with his disciples that waves were gonna come, that waves were gonna hit us, that it was gonna cause disunity, that we were gonna be challenged, that yes, Jesus came as a prince of peace, but he entered into a world of chaos, but he never gave into that chaos, by the way. He entered into the chaos, but never gave into it. And he knew those waves were going to hit. Years ago, I saw this special where they were talking about this oil rig out in the ocean. And the waves were slowly hitting this oil rig. And it was causing a low dissonant frequency to go through this structure. And it started to wear out the foundation of this structure. And so the structural engineer comes in. Now, please, if you're a structural engineer, you can... You know, you can correct me, but I have the mic now and I can actually say it, but I might be totally wrong. But I think the concept's right, so you can help me. But they found out that these low resonance, every time this wave hit, this low resonance came and started to really compromise this structure. And so what they had to do is they had to recalibrate, they had to retune this structure so that when those low dissonant waves hit, they had another frequency that came against it and dissipated that. When they did that, all of a sudden the structure was sound. Let me tell you something that I really believe. In Christ Jesus, we can be tuned to a frequency that combats and neutralizes the dissonance, the disharmony, and the disunity of this world. 
When we gather together as followers of Christ, which we're doing tonight, and as leaders in our community, guess what we're doing? God is recalibrating our hearts. He's recalibrating them. He's tuning them to a different frequency. He's tuning them to the frequency of heaven. And I I love what A.W. Tozer said, and I'm just gonna read what he wrote because it's beautiful. He says this, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord of being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one of them must individually bow. So think about this. I don't know how many people we have in here. 700? We have 700 worshipers in this place meeting together. If all of us are looking up to Christ in our hearts right now, maybe when you listen to Way You, maybe in moments in our hearts right now as we're being tuned to Christ, guess what? We're nearer to each other than we could ever possibly imagine. Think about that. Isn't that a beautiful image? I would say this to our community. We only gather for that reason. We like to get together and say we're gathering for all kinds of reasons. We want to see all kinds of things happen, all kinds of things, all this kind of stuff. We want to sing music, we want to hear words, blah, blah, all that. I really believe the reason we gather is that we're recalibrated and tuned up to the one source of unity, which is Jesus Christ. Everything else that happens, awesome. But we're here and we're tuned together. That God is tuning our hearts to the frequency of heaven. And the miracle to me is that God can connect and tune hearts. Right now in South Korea, 120,000 member church can be tuned to the same frequency as we are in this room. We are near and close. What does that mean? I think when Jesus walked the earth, I really believe that when people came close to him, they knew he was resonating on a new frequency. They felt it. They might not have liked it or they might have loved it. But he was resonating at a totally different frequency. And when he got his disciples together, at some of the very final words he ever said to them. Now listen, you know this. If you have very little time with people that you love, do you talk about the weather? He's like, oh man, you look good. Look your outfit. Think it's going to rain. No, if you know that you only have a few minutes with someone and you may never see them again, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, man, I have something I need to tell you. That's this moment that we're going to look at because Jesus knew that his disciples were made from unity for unity. Do you know that today? Do you know that? And do you know the power of that? Man, it's, it's unleashed in this tiny little scripture we're going to look at. It's unleashed, the power of what unity. It's not what we think, I don't think. John 17. Jesus had been praying with more people and he turned to a smaller group and he said, my prayer is not just for them alone. This, we cannot miss this part. This is astounding to me. He goes, I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. Here's what this means. This is this moment in scripture. Jesus is talking in the first century to a small group of disciples and then he turns and you know what he's saying? He's saying, guess what? What I'm about to say right now isn't for you. It's for the Kensington community in 2019. That's, now listen, he's saying, I'm praying something for this community right now. That's what this is saying. So, so you've got to perk up your ears. You've got to listen to this. This is the real deal. What is the Lord of all creation, the final sacrifice, the, the, the root of all life and light and everything that we could ever imagine, what is he praying for us today? 
Oh, let's listen. He says, I pray that all of them may be one. All of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, this perichoesis, this divine circular dance, come and join the dance. Do you realize that my prayer for you always is for you to be unified and to be one? Now, if, if I was Jesus, I'm sorry, I would not pray that. You know what I would pray? Lord, could you just let every human being have power in their fingers so that when someone's, you know, someone's sick, they could just touch them and it'd be fully healed? Could you let them have supernatural powers and all these kinds of things? Could you just let them have that? But Jesus doesn't do that. You know what Jesus says? It's about relationship. Father, would you knit their hearts closer together? Would you make sure that they are unified in one around me in this beautiful dance? And then he goes on to say this. May they also be in us so that. Say so that. So that. So that you say it like you mean it. So that. Whenever scripture says so that, perk up your ears because now there's a purpose. He's saying, I want them to have this unity. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Think about this. What a paradigm shift this is. I want them to be unified so that the world, not just the church, the whole world, not by their words, the whole world by their unity will actually believe. You know what that means? That means that unity is mission. Unity is connected to the mission of God, Missio Dei. It's connected to the mission of God. It is missional. When we are unified together, like Steve said in the, in the past, when we lay all of our stuff down, when we actually throw our egos over the boat, when we actually prefer someone over ourselves, when that starts to happen and we start to have unity, guess what? The world will believe. The watching world will know that something is different, that these people resonate at a different frequency. That's my story. And when I came in here, I was the most disunified person, I think, with myself, with God, with my family, with the world. And I'm walking down that aisle for a special Friday night event. And here I come in and I got my friend Sue and we look at each other, we roll our eyes and we're like, oh boy, this place is a cult. <laughs> so we sat right there. We walk down, we're like, oh, whatever. We're gonna get paid for this gig, it's gonna be great. And we walk up the stairs, way you, you're not getting paid, sorry. So, <laughs> I'm just teasing. So, <laughs> so I walk up here and I meet, the first person I meet, you know I meet? Dan Mountney. Now, I don't know if you know who Dan Mountney is, but we knew who Dan Mountney was because he was our hero. He was our news anchor. And my mom loved Dan Mountney. So I'm like, whoa, I'm meeting Dan Mountney. Great. He's got a microphone. He's like, hey, uh, you know, I want to ask you a few questions. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be on the news. And I find out, no, he quit the news to come here. What are you thinking, Dan Mountney? So anyway, <laughs> and we talk right there. I can see that conversation in my head. I can feel that right now. Because there was something about Dan Mountney that resonated at a different frequency. I, I'm telling you, I can feel it. I remember walking away from that one conversation thinking, something's different here. Something feels different. That was four months before Dave Wilson ever stood right here and me under that exercise and preaching the gospel and my life blew open. Thank you, Dave Wilson. I owe you my life. God used you. You. And I know it's God through you, but he used you to change my legacy. But before that happened, before Dave said, come home, come home, God's calling you home, something else happened. Four months of this community resonating at a different frequency that was changing my life. I was healing on the way to meeting and re-meeting the king. 
So here's what I would say to you, that unity is for the healing of the world. The way we are unified is for the healing of the world. Jesus continues, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me. That word glory in this context means that he's elevated them. He's given them a different status that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So that, say it. They may be, oh, look at you. You know, he took one time and you are on it. So that they may be brought to complete unity. So that they may be brought. That it is a continuation that there's something growing. So not only is it for the healing of the world, but it's for the health of the church. That as we continue to enter into the dance, as we continue to get invited into the dance and step into the divine, circular, beautiful, powerful dance that by the way, hovered over the deep in the beginning of the world, looking down at a formless world and in a moment exploded and life happened. As we're invited into that dance, you wanna be part of that dance? Yes for the health of the church as we keep being brought into unity. So unity is for the health of the church. And then the world will know that you sent me. And then he says the most incredible eight words and have loved them even as you have loved me. I think those eight words that God loves people as much as he loves his own son is some of the most powerful eight words in all of scripture. Do you know today, and there's people in this room and on stream that do not think they are worthy of that kind of love. There are people right now that say, I follow Jesus, but today you don't feel like you're worthy of that kind of love. I wanna remind you of something today. That God loves you as deeply as he loves his own son. Wow. And guess what? When someone experiences that kind of love or they get a taste of it, whew, that's not of this world. That's resonating at a totally different frequency. That is igniting the image of God in them that they didn't even know existed. So unity, I really believe, is for the heart of the one. We talk about the one, the one that's far from God, the one that's out there, that's searching. Unity is for the heart of the one, to know that they're loved. Now here's just a few quick things. When I say unity, I don't mean uniformity. I don't mean that everything is the same. Couldn't you imagine if we got baptized here and all of a sudden they came out of the water and they were like, you know, 6'4", beard, bald, and everyone looked like me? <laughs> that would be frightening. You know, go over to CT and all of a sudden they got the clothes Chris Arbaugh wears, you know, and they're good, you know. You know, they come out, you know, at, at Ori and all of a sudden they're throwing footballs, you know, I don't know. Couldn't you imagine? No, you don't want to imagine that. That's not what it's about. We are made in the image of God, but remember God. Remember God is not a mono God. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Three different diverse personalities all in one. We are also born out of diversity for unity. You realize you are in the made in the image of God. Do you realize what that means? It doesn't mean we're all the same. In fact, I would say we so desperately need different diverse people in our life. Think about your own family. I know some of you don't want those people in your life, but think about it. <laughs> Unity also doesn't mean lack of conflict. How do you start a fire? You need friction. Every great movement has friction. It's not a lack of conflict. In fact, I would say this, that actually unity is never really realized until there is conflict. 
until something starts to bubble up where it actually has to take shape and form. And sometimes as leaders, and you know this as parents and as leaders and community leaders and leaders in this church, you know this. Sometimes you have to make decisions to get to unity, but it looks like you're creating disunity. I learned that years ago. My wife and I adopted three beautiful daughters in Honduras and we were going through a hard time and I had to make some hard decisions. And I went to the new person that was over that particular orphanage. His name was Carlos. He became a good friend of mine. And I was telling him how I was wrestling over these decisions. I didn't know what it would do. And he said to me this, something I never forgot. He said, when he took over the orphanage, it was in disunity. It was in kind of chaos. So he assessed everything. He poured into all the girls. There was about 25 girls. But he, has, he honed in on three that he felt were creating the disunity. Now, these are orphan girls. He poured into them. It didn't change. And he says, I removed them. And he said, people didn't think it was right. Now, he took care of them. Don't worry. He didn't throw them out. But he's just, he removed them from that equation. And he told me something I'll never forget. He says, Danny, as a leader, as a leader... You need something called, and he would go, you need something called uh, la frialdad. I was like, okay, look, Carlos, I don't know Spanish. So, you know, and he goes, so he grabs his thing, he goes by, he hands me a book. You know what it says? Sometimes you need the coldness. I don't know if I said it right, but la frialdad, I think is what he said. Sometimes you need the coldness. Even Jesus said, wipe your sandals and go to the next home. To create unity doesn't mean a lack of conflict. Doesn't mean that we're all the same. And the last one is this, unity in itself is neutral. Here's what I mean. Unity is just the concept. It's what you actually wrap around unity that gives it the substance. You can have unity around hate and exclusion. You can have unity in Nazi Germany, the KKK, white supremacy. You can have a lot of unity and it feels like unity, but it is absolutely damaging and, and literally ripping lives apart and leads to full death. Or you can have unity around the person of Christ that is full life and joy and peace and power and authority. So unity in itself is neutral, but around Jesus, it's not neutral. Around Jesus, it changes every heart Around Jesus, it changes the world. It brings healing, it brings health, and it speaks to hearts. And so here's what I'd like to do. I just wanna give you a list. It's a list that we use at Troy Campus. Nancy Warms, our campus director here, we use it here. I've altered the list for this one. I have a bunch of different versions of this list. We have one hanging up at Troy Campus. These are, these are lists that I really believe that if you just wanna start the practice of unity, this is a list you can kinda take home, put it in your phone, start to work on it, play it out, but actually look at it every day. So here's the list. It's gonna start with an umbrella thought. The first one is this, do the work. Do you realize how hard unity is? Please, when you don't like someone, look, when I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. When, I, <laughs> when it gets to this person that harmed my children, do you know how hard it is to hold this fist back? Do you know how hard that is? Yes, you do you've been in those situations. But unity takes work. And here's what I would say to you about this kind of work. This work is the greatest work you will ever do in your life. It is work that you'll never get paid for. It is work that you'll never have a degree in. 
It is work that no one will bring you up here and go, check this out. Because you know why? It's the internal work that we have to do in our heart and soul. It's what I call mining a heart and soul. It's the mining. What does it mean to mine? It means to get dirty. It means that you get dirty inside. You know, couldn't you imagine you come up here and go, look at this person. The insides are amazing. You'd be like, I don't see anything. But that work is the most important work you will ever do. It's Psalm 139. It's when David, that's why I hold that psalm so close. At the end of that psalm, it says, Lord, search me. Now, God, you don't need to, you don't, God doesn't need to be invited to search you. He can search you anyway. He's searching us right now. But David says, Lord, I give you permission. He doesn't need a permission, but he gives him permission. And what does he say? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Remove in me any anxiousness. And then he says, remove in me anything that is evil and not of you. And then it says, and lead me to a way that has everlasting and eternal value. That kind of work is the core work of unity. You have to do it because when we're conflicted internally, we lash out to the world externally. The conflict inside, anyone that knows this is in recovery, knows this is the truth. The internal wounds become external wounds. The greatest work you can do, Sue, you do that work with women all the time. What are you doing? You're, 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 you're creating an unconflicted life. So that's the umbrella of thought. Now here's some ways that you can do it. First one is this, believe the best. Believe the best in every person you see. I think the person I see that do the greatest in my life is Steve Andrews. I mean, he believes in people that he shouldn't believe in. <laughs> you know, I'm probably one of them. But he's, you know, he's just like, you're great. That was the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. Steve, it wasn't. But it was. You know, he just thinks everything's the greatest thing that's ever. But that's what he's doing. You know what he's doing? He's having the same mi mindset as Christ Jesus in Philippians 2. Said this, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but rather consider others better than yourself. Have that mindset. Try that out when you leave. Have you ever done nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? I haven't. But Paul's saying, have that mindset because you will have something inside of you that will resonate at the frequency of heaven. It's called unity. Second one is this, practice gratitude. I would say this, disunity cannot live in a grateful heart. Meaning it can be in there, but it can't live. It can't take residency up in a grateful heart. Philippians 4 says that we are to actually come to God in gratitude. And when we do that and we ask and we pray, guess what he does? He gives us a peace, a unity that surpasses human understanding. We have, but we have to practice it. We actually have to do it. One of the grass, I've already called Sue, out, Sue Anderson, but one of the great examples to me is the social media post that you make. You know, every, I think it's every day, but I think I only read it once a week, sorry. But I think you post every single day and it's called Today's Joy. Now look, I'm kind of an Eeyore kind of a guy. So when I see something like Today's Joy, I'm like, oh Lord, help me. You know, so I've been reading these and it's been going on for like 10 months. You're amazing. Like you are so disciplined. And so... I can't do things for like 10 days. And so you're doing this stuff. And, and, and one day I remember being a little cynical in my heart and I, I turned out, okay, here's today's joy by Sue. And then so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, it's really how I felt. And I'm just being honest. And so I read this and here's what it says. It says, today's joy. And it's a picture of her in, I don't know if it was a hospital or a doctor's office. 
Today's joy, I'm getting a transfusion of a new med that I don't think will work for this chronic illness that I have and will have for the rest of my life. She didn't say that, but that's the truth. But I'm here with my friend. Now here's what you have to understand about Sue. Every day of her life, she has pain, but you would never know it. It's an incurable disease, but you would never know it. Because she's decided that she's gonna have unity. And guess what? My cynicism gets eaten up by that joy. Because cynicism is death. That is life. So, practice gratitude. I got two more quick ones and we'll get to, we'll get to this, sorry. The last one is keep short accounts. This is simple. Robert, if you offend me, guess what? I need to come to you, unless it's not safe. And you could probably beat me up, so it probably wouldn't be safe. But if we had something between us, it is my job to come to you right away. If you let offenses live in your heart, they will be like weeds in a garden and they will kill life. You want unity? You will step into conflict. If it's safe, if it's not safe, get to a safe space. Keep short accounts. And then the last one is this, and this is a big Nancy Warm one. Live with an unoffendable heart. Now look, for all you teachers out there, I know unoffendable is not a word, that's okay. But you'll get the idea. Live with an unoffendable heart. When I studied Buddhism years ago, uh, Rinpoche gave me an image that I never forgot. He said, when the arrows of life come at you and they hit you, don't let them permeate too deeply. Rather, let them fall to your feet and become flowers. We're all gonna get attacked. But could we possibly start to understand that if our heart is rooted in Jesus Christ and we have our identity as children, like Steve said, of God, then is it possible that there is nothing that can harm our inner core? Yes, it is possible. We are sons and daughters of the highest king. That's our identity. By the way, that is our identity. It plays out in a number of different ways, but our identity is simple and complex. We are sons and daughters of the highest king when we give our life to Jesus Christ who gave all for all people so that we would have a way to absolute unity. Here's what I want you to hear tying Steve's message to this message. A divided church cannot reach a divided world. That's something that Chris Brooks said a long time ago and never left me. A divided church cannot reach a divided world. If we wanna go out and bring unity, we cannot have division. We can have problems. But at the core of the person of Jesus, we have to be united. We have to, we have to fight. I'm telling you, man, this is one thing that I am the most passionate about. You have to fight for unity. You can't let things bubble up. You have to step in. You have to step into conflict. You have to get in front of somebody. You have to trust Jesus. You have to fight, why? Because when we resonate, at the frequency of the kingdom of heaven, there is not one dissonant frequency of this world that could ever overcome that. And God says, I am in you. I am in you. Let's go. So here's what we're gonna do. You saw this netting. You're probably thinking, what are we gonna do? It's gonna some weird thing. It's not even that weird. This guy by the name of Harold Turner, he studied all kinds of cultures around the world. And he came up with the idea that there's really only three views of the world first view is called atomic and each one has an image so he put an image of billiard balls on a table like a pool table and this atomic is very western it's saying here's all these billiard balls on the same table but they're all in their own little space they're all independent of each other they're around each other but they're all independent 
The next one is called oceanic. Oceanic is like a drop of water that falls into the ocean. That means that this individual just dissipates into the one. It's very Eastern, that your identity is lost. It's probably very dependent. And then he says the third one is relational. And the image is a net. And he said, that's probably the closest thing to Jesus and what he wanted his family to look like. Because a net, a net is all interdependent. It's all connected. Every single part of a net is important. And in fact, when part of a net is compromised, guess what happens? The net doesn't work as well. And every little single part is important. Every knot, every string, every part is so important. A network of people is what Jesus really desired, a whole network of people. And remember, nets are used for many things. Provision, rest, fishing for people. Would you be fishers of humankind? Will I let you show how to do that? Hey, guess what? One of the secret weapons I'm gonna tell you just before I go to the cross, when I die and you put your faith in me, you can have an unconflicted life. It's not gonna be easy. You have to fight for it. Oh, and guess what happens? When that happens, you know what starts to happen? Your relationships become unconflicted or more unconflicted. You know what happens? You start to have a deeper connection with me. And as that happens, there is an unbelievable circular divine dance that I keep pulling you into. Unity is power. Rooted in Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. The band's going to play a couple of songs. And as we do that to close the time that we have, we want you to come up and we want you to cut off a piece of this net. I don't care how big, well, I do. But, you know, don't go too crazy. But <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But when you come up here, cut off a piece of this net because we want you to leave with a piece of this net to remind you of something. You are part of a network. You need to fight for unity. You are important. We, are, we depend upon you. This kingdom is interdependent. Mother Teresa says, where there's a lack of pieces because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. And so as the band plays, whenever you see fit, just come up and just start taking a piece of this net with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful community. What an absolute blessing it has been in Amy and I's life. I just, I can't even, I, I don't even know what our life would look like from 2000 until now without this community. I have no idea. This community resonates in the frequency of heaven. And it's rooted in you, Jesus. And it brings healing, it brings health, it cures hearts. It is diverse, it doesn't lack conflict. We can trust you, we can do the work. Father, do a miracle in our community. Let us come to you in a more vulnerable way clean us out inside and connect us deeper and deeper, deeper. Tune our hearts to the frequency of heaven and let our hearts be closer than we could ever imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name.